Welcome to our Cove Ladies Bible Study with Covenant Church. We are so excited you have joined us in this Bible revival. Our goal is for you to be challenged and inspired to go deeper into your study of the living word. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest updates on when new episodes are posted. Let's go right into the study recorded at Covenant Church. All right, ladies, let's come back together. So that is the way that I would like to start the beginning of women's Bible study. Just a few minutes for us to, first of all, it's fellowship with one another, which we're going to talk about today. It's a connection um, with the text, and it's just a good way for us to, it, it does hold a little bit of accountability, but it's a good way for us just to kind of get our minds on the text and what we're going to read about. So y'all ready to dive in? All right. I want to show you that the notes that I took, um, I just, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but this is kind of what my notes section looked like from the last week. So it's not a whole lot. Some of y'all's may have a lot more. Some of you, um, yours may have a lot less, and that is okay. Um, I just wanted to point out that, that there's no right or wrong way to do it, um, but whatever works best for you. However, I do want to see if any of you used these, the notes and the model that was given, um, did you enjoy it? Did you like it? Did it help kind of explain the steps and what to do next? Did any of you feel like this is so confusing, I need help? You don't have to raise your hand. If you felt like that, <laughs> call me, text me, come see me, and I will help you, okay? All right. So the very first thing we, I want to do at the beginning as we are coming back in um, together is talk about those six W's. That's what we're going to start off with. And that is just a way for us to recap kind of what we learned about last week. Remember the context of what we're talking about, this, the passage of Scripture that we're talking about, um, and kind of just... Bring it all back together. So, 1 John 1 and 1 through 2, 2. Who wrote this book? John the Apostle. That's right, our brother John. The beloved disciple. That's right. When was this book written? Yeah, anywhere between 80, 70 to 80, 100. There's no specific date. We just know that it was written in the last quarter of his life. All right? What genre was this um, book? It was a letter. It was specifically a circulatory letter. You don't have to write that, but that is what it was. And remember that it was a letter written to a specific church, but then it was intended for that letter to be passed around from church to church um, in order to edify the saints. Okay, that means in order to strengthen the saints. To whom was this book written? The believers, the new church, okay, um, specifically around the Ephesus area, but then it was passed around. Who knows how many um, churches this letter actually went to? It went to seven? Oh, you already actually know. <laughs> the seven. Yeah, though, cool. So it went to seven. And then, of course, it's still edifying our church um, many years later. And then why was the, the, I was about to say the Gospel of John, why were the epistles of John written? To, why were they written? To give us the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's right. All right, and, and to ensure that we have eternal life through him, to ensure that the believers have that. Very good. All right, so I'm going to start off by reading 
I'm going to read a portion, and then I'm going to teach the text. Sound good? All right, here we go. Uh, Verse 1, and this is the ESV version, so if you're reading with another version, just follow along with me. All right. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it. And proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. All right. How many of you the first time you read it you were like, that is a run-on sentence, Brother John. Anybody? Okay. Yes. I had to read this scripture many times before I was like, let me break it down one sentence at a time. So if you were in our Roman study, you realize that that brother Paul, who wrote Romans, he loves run-on sentences, like loves them. And so there was many times where we would read like a whole chapter and I'm like, breathe, Paul, breathe, okay? So it's kind of how I felt when I read this first part and I was like, okay, John, what are we going to do? Are you going to be like your your friend here, but he does take a break a little bit. But I wanted to start in the very beginning where the very first scripture where it says, that which was from the beginning, that which was from the beginning, that in my mind immediately, and for most of you who know scripture, it probably brought these scriptures up to you as well. This could reference back to Genesis 1 and 1, right? In the beginnings, in the beginning, he made the heavens and the earth, right? What other scripture came to mind when you read the word, read from the beginning. Any other scripture? Genesis 1 and 1, John 1 and 1. That's right. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All right? So for me, whenever I read this, I automatically thought, okay, in the beginning, he was with them. They must be talking about Jesus. Okay? So right there we can see whenever it says in the beginning, we can pull references from all throughout Scripture. Um, But whenever we we read this, we're seeing here that which was from the beginning, to me that goes to John 1 and 1 because it's our friend John writing this Scripture. You make that connection there? So in the beginning of John, he says the Word was with God, or the Word was God, he was with God. Um, Did I say that right? Was, Was the Word, was with God, and... The word was God. I was making sure I was saying that right. I wrote it down. I should just read it from that instead of trying to remember. All right. So that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Who is we? Who is we? This is one person writing a letter. Who is the we? Do you have a mouse in your pocket, Paul? I mean, John, who are you talking about? Who is we? Does anyone have any guesses? The disciples. Yeah. It's actually the disciples. So I love this. I'm going to talk about this a little bit um, later. But when he begins talking about which we have heard, which we have seen, he is referencing a group of people who have actually seen and who have actually heard. I want to remind you that when he wrote this, we are like a generation already away from whenever the events of Jesus Christ took place on earth. So the people that he is writing to, they did not see for themselves. They did not hear for themselves. They did not touch him, okay? So he was writing to a group of people, very similar to us, right? 
who have not seen these things for ourselves. So he's really going to have to um, make a strong argument that you may not have seen it, but we did. And, and I'm here to tell you that we saw it and we touched him and we heard it. And that's, that's kind of how he's coming along here. So that's why he's not saying, which I have seen, which I have heard. He needs some extra help here. Does that kind of make sense? All right. So he says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. He is specifically talking here. He is saying, listen, I heard, um, he says, which we have heard, we heard what Jesus did, which we have seen with our eyes. What did he see? John himself saw, he walked with Jesus before his death. He saw him betrayed. He saw him beaten. He saw him stabbed in the side. He saw him crucified. He saw him die. He saw him buried. He saw the empty tomb. He saw the resurrection. He saw the holes. He saw the hole in the side. He saw uh, the fish come up. He was there for that. He has seen many things. Everyone understand that? So, and then he says, which we looked upon and we've touched him with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. How many of you understood that whenever he says this right here, he's saying the life which was made manifest was Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. Remember in our reading, whenever we do read, we want to highlight and point out the words that are repeated. So how many of you underlined or circled the word manifest as you studied? Anybody? So manifest was actually um, repeated here twice. I want to point out this word because manifest is not a word that we typically use every single day. We use it in church, church lingo, but in our daily day-to-day, I'm not saying, Canon, can you please manifest that toy for me? Like, I'm not doing that. We don't use that term. So I pulled out the word manifest, and I want to give you a, um, a definition for it. And it says, to be clear or obvious to the eye or mind. Another definition is to be evident and to become apparent. To become apparent. Mm -hmm. To be clear or obvious to the eye or mind. To be clear or obvious to the eye or mind. So the life of Jesus was made clear. The life of Jesus was made obvious to the eye and the mind. And then he continues on and he says, and we have seen it. Not only have we seen it, but now we testify to it and we proclaim it. So we testify that it's true, but we're not going to keep it to ourselves. Now it's time for us to tell you about it. We've got to tell the world about it. And he says, um, proclaim to you that eternal life, which was with the father. He's talking about Jesus, right? And was made manifest to us. There's that word again. Okay, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may may have fellowship with us. All right, I love this. Um, How many of you have, like, let me give an example. Okay, on Buddy the Elf. Anyone ever watched Buddy the Elf? Okay, 
If you've never watched Buddy the Elf, it's silly. It's a funny movie. So Buddy the Elf, he's work, He's in a department store. He's an elf that like never grows up, so he's very childlike, okay? And so the department store manager, he comes in and he says, um, Santa's going to be here at 10 a.m. And what does Buddy start doing? Santa, I know him. I know him. I know who he is, right? Because he used to live with Santa. He knows him. All right, that's what, what John is doing right here. He's like, listen, I know Jesus. I know him. And you may not know him like I know him, but I know him. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, and I have to proclaim it to you. I've seen him. I know what he sounds like. I know what he feels like. I know about him. I know him. How many of your lives can be like that? That's convicting to me. How many of your lives can be like, oh, Jesus, I know. I know you, and I want to proclaim you. That movie? (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) That is funny. Jesus, I knew you. Yeah, that's right. All right, so this is what he's saying right here. I want to go back to um, to this. The three three times, oh, sorry, I don't think I even pointed this out. We talked about the two times manifest was, was said. Another word that was repeated over and over again, didn't anyone catch it? It's the word seen. Seen, well, fellowship too, we're going to get there. But seen was repeated three times here. Seen, S-E-E-N. Seen, like I see. Yep, with your eyes. Seen was repeated three times here. And I'm going to take us back in time to the Gospel of John. Maybe if I can open my Bible. The Gospel of John, chapter 20. The Gospel of John chapter 20, and I'm going to read to you right here another scripture that John himself wrote where we're going to see the same repetitive word. You ready? Okay, John 20, verse 1 through 9. And I'm reading this one in the Christian Standard Bible, so if it sounds different than yours, it's okay. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the, sto- that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. Remember who that was? That's our friend John. That's right. And she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple, John, went running. I'm sorry, went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Why did he have to put that in there? He was showboating. No, I'm just kidding. He's like, look how fast I can run. Verse 5, stooping down, he saw, the, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. The, rat, the wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen clothes, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. All right, in verse 8 where he says, he's talking about himself here, John the disciple. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, he saw and believed. That saw right there, it actually translates to manifest. 
said that it became apparent to him and he believed. Is that amazing? So we see seen repeated three times in the beginning of, of the first chapter of John. And then here we see the same, same word, see, saw, repeated. And that third one, he doesn't just say, I saw him. He says, oh, it was made, made obvious to me. And I believed with my own eyes what had happened. He made it manifest to him. Is that not the coolest thing? All right. So through here, we're going to keep going. Verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. Who is the you that they're talking to there? The church. Yeah. So in Texas terms, we say y'all. Okay. So this is y'all. That which we have seen and heard, now we're going to proclaim also to y'all. That's you. That's the new church. That's us. So that you too may have fellowship with us. Okay, which is the apostles. I'm going to go back to that again one more time and just talk about the, um, the credibility of this witness because it really is so important that we understand that whenever he's saying the word we, that we did it, that we saw it, um, if we were in, or let's say this, if it was uh, a, an episode of Law & Order SVU, okay, and they, something happened and then one person came up and they're like, I saw it and... Susie ran across the street. She really didn't get taken or whatever her account, I account was, okay? Um, that's one person saying that. Are we going to believe him or are we going to be like, you kind of look sketchy. You probably are the one that took her, right? One person, we're not going to believe as much. But if two, three, or four people come up and say, no, really, she ran across the street. Like, he didn't take her. She really ran across the street. Does that make sense? There's credibility when we have more than one person giving us an account of what has happened. All right. The next thing says, oh, the fellowship, so that you too may have fellowship with us. I wanted to point that out because it is also repeated twice here. Okay. Fellowship means friendly association, especially with shared interest. Right here, John is establishing that that fellowship is a must, okay? Let me read it again. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to y'all so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, fellowship with us. So he is establishing right here that as new believers, it is important to fellowship together. This is a horizontal fellowship, okay? As believers, it's important for us to fellowship with one another for different reasons. But one of the things is, is we build each other up. We hold each other accountable. Um, we're going to see later, later on that we help each other be exposed um, to the light in order to get rid of some darkness in our life. Okay? So he is proclaiming here that fellowship is key. But I want to point this out. There was a group of people, and I'm not going to go totally into this because I don't fully understand it all myself. But there was a group of people rising up during this generation called the Gnostics. Um, has anyone ever heard of Gnosticism? I don't fully understand it all, but from, from what I've gathered is that the Gnostics are like self, they believe that God's only going to reveal knowledge to them specifically and a lot of isolation from what I can understand. And so um, some of the commentary that I read really pointed out that John not only was honing in on the importance of fellowship, with one another, he was, but he was really doing it also to guard against the Gnostics who were saying, no, we can do this on our own. 
whatever God reveals to me, that's enough. I don't need what he's revealing to the whole church. Does, does you see that? So he's coming against um, something that's becoming a, a cultural norm in the new church. He's coming against it and saying, no, 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 no. Christ desires for us to be in fellowship with one another. Horizontally, it's extremely important, okay? Um, how many times has something happened and the enemy um, wanted you to be isolated? Yeah, he wants to isolate you. And if you have someone who is a believer and they're like, I can be a believer and not go to church, they, they need to be in church. It's part of it, okay? It's part of it. All right, does everyone see that? Horizontal fellowship is very important. The next one, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Vertical fellowship. We have to be in communion with Jesus Christ. He's telling us right here how important it is. We've got to be in, in um, communion with him. I'm going to read a scripture to you. Let me flip over to you real quick. Maybe. Going the wrong way. Acts 2, verse 42. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So in the early church, right after Christ ascended, and he left the disciples to carry on the new church, it was very important right there we see some of the foundational things of our belief was to devote themselves to the teaching, to the fellowship with one another, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You see it? So it was established in the new church. So one generation later, we can't let it get away from us. And now, many generations later, it's very easy for us to be like, okay, that's not important. But anyways, all that to say, it's important. All right. Verse 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Why would John's joy be complete if I, if I follow this? Any ideas? That's right. By fulfilling his purpose, by John fulfilling his purpose, by proclaiming the gospel, he receives the joy. Yes, that's it. That's perfect. And obviously, anytime someone new comes to Christ, they receive joy. We receive joy. The saints rejoice when people come to know the Lord. Okay? All right. So the first section of 1 John 1. Feel okay? Everyone need to take a deep breath? Everyone okay? All right. Let's dive into the next, next section. Watch my time here. Um, verse 5. <clears throat> this, can kinda, this next section can kind of sound like um, a bowl of SpaghettiOs. So just go with me. I'm going to read it, but then we're gonna, I'm going to break it down, okay? This is the message we have heard from, from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say 
We have not sinned. We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. All right, right off the bat, what words are repeated? Light, fellowship, sin, if, 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 if. I think I, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, like five, six times. I don't know. I circled it a bunch of times. If, a bunch of if statements. All right, so right here, the first thing I want to point out, it says, this is the message we, remember, remember that's the apostles. He's writing on behalf of the apostles. And I want to point this out too. Remember, he's the only one left at this point. Everyone else has already passed away. So I imagine, this is not in scripture, but I imagine as he's writing this, he's like, I have to write on behalf of everybody else because I'm the only one left. Like, there's nobody else. So this is the message that we have heard from him. Who is him? Jesus. Yes. And we're going to proclaim it to you. This is what we're proclaiming. That God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Okay. That kind of goes back to the Gnosticism. They have some kind of belief where there's like an eternal battle between light and darkness. And they're not sure who's winning. I don't understand all that. But just know that he's kind of targeting this, being a little poignant with this comment here too. Okay. Towards the... the um, the lie that's kind of trying to creep into the church here. But in him, there is no darkness at all. <clears throat> so right here, it says, um, let me get my place. On verse six, it starts here, and, and we're going to read through here that there are three statements of denial. There's three statements of denial, and then John combats it. So let me, let me tell you what I'm saying here. The very first one is in chapter six, and it says this. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That's the first. And what it's teaching us right here, it's saying, if we say that we have a relationship with Jesus, but we're still walking in blatant darkness, then we are the liars and we are practicing, not practicing the truth. Okay. To practice means to walk it out. We are not walking out the truth. We are not walking in light. Um, you can even write this down in your notes. This is um, a lot of churches will preach like, um, like exceptional grace. Grace on grace. It's okay. You're covered. It's grace. It's okay. You can walk like that. It's great. It's okay. You can keep doing drugs. It's grace. It's okay. You can keep having sex before marriage. There's grace for that. It's okay. You can keep walking like this. There's grace for that. It's okay. If you don't do all of these things, there's grace for that. That's not true. That's a lie. Okay. That is a lie. It's a lie from, from hell. And so this is saying if there is an overabundance of grace, it's a lie. And here's why. Because... Verse 7, if we walk in the light, he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, will cleanse us from all sin. So if we say we are walking with him, we are in communion with Jesus Christ, and we say that we are walking in the light, he is faithful to reveal to us all darkness in our life and to get it out. He is faithful to us to forgive us of all sin. And when he forgives us of that sin, we don't want to continue to walk in it. Does that make sense? And I'm talking about the blatant sin here, all right? I don't want to get construed. 
If, the, if you just came to the Lord and you're like, I'm just learning and I don't know, it's okay. There's grace for that. But whenever the Lord looks at, um, at me, I'm going to point myself out. When the Lord looks at Casey and says, um, you've been exceptionally self-righteous and you need to get, that, get rid of that. And I keep walking in self-righteousness and I don't confess that to him and I don't attempt to turn from my sin. That's a license to sin. Does everyone understand what I'm saying? That's, that's what he's talking about here. I'm not walking in the light at that point. Am I making It's an act of sin. Yes. On purpose sin. Habitual sin. Habitual is the word. It's living in habitual sin. Okay? Now, he is faithful to forgive. He is faithful to forgive. Okay? But we cannot have this idea that it is okay to keep doing what I'm doing, even though he's told me that it's not okay to keep doing it, because he's, he's died for that. It's okay. Okay? That's just, that's just not true. All right. And I will preface this by saying I have, we've all been all three of these things I'm going to talk about. We all struggle with all three of these things. Okay? I'm just going to point that out. All right. So the first one is license to sin. The second one we're going to see is in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay. So when I read this, I was like, okay, Lord, who would say that they have no sin? Well, obviously people who, who don't know Christ, who don't understand that we are morally sinful, that we were born into sin, people don't know that. So, of course, they're going to be like, well, I don't have any sin. I'm, I'm good to go, right? But those, we're talking about those that are proclaiming to be believers of Jesus Christ. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ and you're saying, I don't have any sin in me, all right, that's where the problem in lies. One second. I'm going to get to you one second. Oh, sorry. Hey, Robin, do you mind helping her? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Martha. Okay. There is... This is what we call legalism. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. It says, it's as if I'm saying, I'm really good at being good. So I know he's happy with me. Like, I'm really good at doing the right things. I'm really good at praying, and I'm really good at reading my Bible. And so he's, like, always happy with me. Okay? That's, it's just a deception. Okay? You can't work your way, Right? Works are part of it, but you can't work your way um, into being good. That's just not how it works, all right? Jesus makes us righteous, period. But we can't say that we are without sin because Scripture says it right here. If we say we are without sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But here's the good news, verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all of it. We're going to come back to that in just a second, so hold on to that. All right, and then the last thing, number three, is in verse 11. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. All right, so there's a difference here. He's making a difference between saying we have no sin and then that we have not sinned that we make him a liar and his word is not in us, is what the scripture says. Um, And this is moral relativism. Let me break that down. So first of all, we know that scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And he always sa- also says that none are righteous, no, not one. That is scriptural. That is what he has taught us, okay? So we know that we were born as sinners. So what this is kind of saying is, well, nothing that I do is, is that bad, right? It's a, you know, well, at least I'm not a murderer. A- at least I didn't, at least I'm not doing what she's doing. Like, at least I'm doing this and not that, you know? It's a justification. It's a moral relativism is what that's called. It's a big word for that, all right? What it is, it's not owning your own personal truth. It's not owning that we are sinners, needing to be saved by grace, okay? All right, so those were the three lists of denials that people were believing in the church. Do we see people still believing that now in the church? Absolutely. Do I struggle with some of these things sometimes? Yes. The more I learn and grow, the more the Lord reveals things to me. And it's okay because are we learning? Yes. It's continually better. It's sanctification. The problem is if we're hung up on one of these three. Okay? And if you're hung up on one of these three, there's good news, and that's in verse 9. Let's go to that. If we confess our sins. Now, and and I love this. He says, If we confess our sins, that means that we all have sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We have to confess it first, okay? This is the very first part. It's truth-telling. It's exposing it to the light. Who is the light? Jesus, we just learned that. When we confess it, then we reveal it to him, and he is faithful to drive out all darkness because there is no darkness in him. We just learned it in Scripture just right there. Do you see it? So this is, this is the truth, all right? Now, it was hard for me whenever it says faithful and just. I never really thought about it until I started studying it. He is faithful and just to forgive us. So I see faithfulness like he is so faithful. He has never left me. He was faithful to the point of death on the cross for my sins. I see faithfulness. But just was hard for me because I can see like, He was faithful and merciful, or he was faithful and graceful, but like faithful and just was a little difficult for me. So I'm going to break it down for what I kind of learned here. All right, so whenever we know, we know that Scripture says that when we are forgiven of our sins, we are a new creation. All right, we are a brand new creation. Whenever we confess our sins to Jesus, he is not saying to you, Nancy, that's okay, we'll forget about it. You just get a second chance. He's not saying that. He's not saying you get a second chance. He's not giving you a chance. What he's doing is he's completely eradicating it because Jesus took our punishment completely on the cross. So there is a consequence for every sin, and that is death. Jesus took that for you, all right? So it would be, um, well, let me say this. So I'm going to use you as an example. Is that okay? Miss Nancy did something really bad, but I said, it's okay, I'm going to go to jail for Miss Nancy, and I go and spend time in jail, but then whenever I get back out of jail, I say, okay, now it's your turn to go spend time in jail for it. That wouldn't make any sense, okay? There's no, doesn't need to have a second chance. There's not a need for a second punishment or even a second salvation. There's one salvation or one atonement for, for the punishment. Does that make sense? He took it completely. So when Jesus took our punishment on the cross, it would be unjust to give it back to you. 
Just like I wouldn't give it back to Nancy and say, you got to go spend time in jail now too. That would be unjust, okay? Because there is no more condemnation for you. Once Christ, once you confess it, he takes it completely from you. Now there is no more condemnation for your sin. Christ bore it all. So we can find ourselves in all of those three statement, statements. And I'm going to just read from my notes so I don't lose it. Jesus says, expose it to the light, okay? What happens in the light? What do plants do in the light? They grow. What do we do when we have light? We grow. We get life. Okay, it's good. We need sun. We need the light. The light will take away the sin, okay? But it also grows in us righteousness. That's the important thing, okay? Did you hear that? Jesus takes away the sin. He takes away all of the, of the darkness. So when we expose ourselves to him, he is the light. But not only does it take away all the darkness, but it grows the good things in us. It grows the good character in us. It grows the righteousness in us. That's the sanctification process. Do you ever feel like Jesus is like picking on you whenever he's telling you all the things you're doing wrong? Y'all have heard my testimony. You know, I'm like, I hate it whenever he starts trying to correct me because it hurts my feelings. Um, but then I have to say, okay, Lord, you're growing something good in me. It's the sanctification process. I wouldn't be who I was now if I didn't go through the things that he told me to get rid of over the last however many years, right? All right, so I want to point out as well, fellowship, I talked about it a while ago, fellowship with other believers, okay, it also helps to uncover the things that are hidden in the dark. How does it do that? Well, I will tell you that my covenant sisters who have been with me in Bible study and have been with me on retreats and have been with me in conference and who I can literally text at any time in the night and say, I need your help. I need your prayer. I can go to the covenant support group or the women's support page that Robin runs and I can say, I need your prayer for me. And they are there for me every second. Their prayers, their help, their encouragement, it uncovers things in me. Not just that, when I see some of you in action as example, it uncovers things in me that I'm like, oh, I need to, that's fruit of the spirit. I don't know that I have it like that. And I need, I want that. I want to be more like that. Miss Gloria is a servant. Oh, she's a servant. So when I see Miss Gloria, it uncovers something in me that I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't know what she prayed for to get that servant spirit. I want that. I know that's from you, so I want a little of that. Hospitality. How many of you have a gift of, like, hospitality? I do not have a gift of hospitality. And it's not that, like, if you come over, I'm going to give you a cup of coffee, but I just don't have it in me where I'm like, please, like, come over and hang out with me. I don't know why. That's just not in me. But I know that that's, that's part of being fruit of the spirit, and so I want that. So I've prayed for a spirit of hospitality. Anyways, those are little things. But being in fellowship with one another uncovers things in us. All right. Did I, did I, did I clarify the just thing a little bit? So it is just because he takes it from us completely. Okay. All right, let's go into the last two verses. We're doing good on time. 
My little children, 2 verse 1, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. All right. I love, I'm going to go back to the very first three words of this, um, this scripture, and I love it because Right here, we see a shift in John's tone, and he changes right now from like, I am, I am an apostle, and I saw these things, and I am going to tell you about it, and I'm excited about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. And then right here, he goes, listen, little children, (laughs) I'm a father. Remember, he's old, okay? He's an old man at this point, and y'all are very young, and you're new, and you've not seen all the things I've seen. So can you imagine like a granddaddy sitting on a rocking chair just telling you about what needs to happen and you're not doing that right and you really need to do that right. That's how I imagine my friend John here. And he's saying, oh, my little children. And we're going to hear him call us that over the next few chapters or over the next uh, books. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's the desire of his heart. He doesn't want you to fall into sin. It's a good thing when scripture points out things to us like it did tonight. It's a good thing because it means that we're aware of it and we can be cognizant of it. And then if we see it in our own lives, the Holy Spirit will be quick to kick it out because he's going to bring up these scriptures to us. Okay, so it's a good thing when he points these things out in scripture. So I'm writing these things to to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, I love that he says that. Y'all, we're going to sin. We're going to sin. That's just our nature. No matter how hard we try, we will never be Jesus Christ. But I love how he says it. He kind of gives us the benefit of the doubt. But if anyone does sin, then here's what we could do. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I love this. All right, advocate. I'm going to give you a definition of advocate. One that pleads the cause of another. There's two more. I'm going to read them to you. One that pleads the cause of another. One that defends or maintains a cause. One that supports or promotes an interest of another. One that pleads the cause of another. Okay, so an advocate is, you're supposed to advocate for the orphans, right? So they need a family. They need support. They need help. We're going to plead the cause to another. Now, I'm going to reread this scripture in these words. But if anyone does sin, then we have someone that will plead our cause with the Father. That's what he does for you. He pleads on your behalf with the Father. That's a big deal. Okay? Jay, I'm going to read this. Um, well, let me go, go here. All right. The next, the next part of this scripture is, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation means appeasement, peacemaker, or satisfaction. So he is the satisfaction for our sins. Does that make you teary-eyed? He is the satisfaction for our sins. He fulfills it all. He's the peacemaker for our sins. He's the appeasement for them. And not for ours only, y'all, but for the sins of all the world. 
That's a lot of sin. That's a lot of sin. All right, there is a commentary by J.M. Boyce, B-O-I-C-E, J.M. Boyce, and I'm going to read to you what he says. Our advocate does not plead our innocence. He acknowledges our guilt and presents his vicarious sacrifice as the grounds for our acquittal. Let me read that one more time. Our advocate, Jesus, he doesn't plead our innocence. He knows we're not innocent. He knows we're guilty. But what he does instead, he acknowledges that we're guilty, and then he presents his vicarious sacrifice, that's himself, as the grounds for us to be acquitted, for us to be let go. That's beautiful. He's faithful and he's just. Okay? He's faithful to finish the work on the cross, and he's just to forgive a sin that's already been established as guilty and whose punishment has already been borne. He was faithful to do it. And he didn't just do it for you, but he did it for the sins of the whole world. Years of sin taken on his back. And that's who he is for you. And then he stands before God the Father as an advocate for you to plead on your behalf. Lord, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing, but they took on my blood. And I'm going to honor that they took my blood and I'm washing them and, and making them white as snow. Thank you, Lord. All right. That's where we're going to end there. I'm going to close this in prayer, but then we're going to talk through the rest of the thing. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord. It just it almost brings me to my knees that you would choose to advocate for me when I know that I've been so guilty. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you remind me of my guilt because it reminds me, because it reminds me of what you've done for me. God, I don't ever want to go back. I don't live in shame and guilt, but... God, you took it from us. You took it from the world, and you did it out of love, and you did it out of faithfulness, and you did it because you were just. And God, we just want to thank you for what you did for us on the cross. We want to thank you, Lord, for the words that you gave John to send to us some 2,000 years later, Lord, that we can read this word and realize what you did for us tonight on a Tuesday night. God, I thank you that you give us revelation of who you are as the advocate, as the light of the world. I thank you, Lord, that you give us um, intimate knowledge of your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, that you reveal to us your character. And I, and I ask right now, Lord, that as we see who you are in the, in the heart of the Father, that you transform us from the inside out, Lord. I pray, Father, that you sanctify us, that you correct us, that you... Um, help us to confess and expose all sin to the light so that there may be no darkness in us. Father, restore in us the joy of our salvation as we go forth this week and help us, Lord, as we turn to you in every single thing that we do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, next week, um, I'm going to leave this on for podcast. Next week is Testimony Tuesday. I know that came up so fast. But we do close down Cove Ladies Bible Study for Testimony Tuesday. But we'll be upstairs. Kirk Romero is giving his testimony. It's going to be amazing. So next week, we won't join for Bible study. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast, then we won't, um, you won't have a podcast next week. But we are going to pick up the following week, okay, the first week of March. Nope, the second week of March, whatever the next week is. And in that one, this is the portion of Scripture that we're going to study. So you have two weeks to study it. 
1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 17. And I know what you're thinking, Casey, that's not a lot, but you know I can dig into it. So, uh -huh, 1 John 2, verses 3 through 17. 1 John 2, ver um, chapter, I'm sorry, 1 John 2, verses 3 through 17. 3 through 17. Um, also, if you need a, an, an Abide Cove Ladies Bible Study Packet, they are on the podcast link. Um, there's a PDF version there. They are also out in the liaison desk, and so you may pick them up there. And if you would like a copy of the um, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John um, ESV journal, then you may pre-order that on the app, ccoet.org, or on the app under Cove Ladies Give, and they are $8, so feel free to get those in. Thank you for listening to our Cove Ladies Bible Study Podcast. Please click the link below to check out all of our upcoming events and classes. Have a great day, and we will see you on the next episode.